Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Well, happy Monday, December 11, 2023. Merry Christmas. We're coming in towards Christmas. Hope you're having a good holiday season. Uh, I'm not one of those that likes to replace the word Christmas, which has Christ in it with holiday, but I can run them together and uh, enjoy that. We, I do hope you're going to have a great and blessed Christmas time. These are exciting times, that's for sure. So uh, let's see. Let's talk about what's up ahead. Uh, tomorrow's going to be a very interesting day. Our, uh, our, our, we're going to be live with Marzi, and it's spelled, and her last name is Amirazadi. Amirazadi. Uh, which is an Arabic name. She's Iranian. She was locked up in an Iranian prison, and I was watching her a couple weeks ago on CBN, an, a live interview where she told her story about being in, a, in prison, and guys said, have her on their show. And it was very clear that I was to, I was to invite her on. So that's tomorrow morning. You're not going to want to miss this. Some of her stories and some of her perspectives, each one of those are very intriguing uh, about what she says. I won't, I'll, I won't give you a spoiler yet. I'll just say you don't want to miss it because you would miss uh, some really interesting things. So, so that's that. Now we're going to run a quick. Uh, I like, I like this um, thing. We this video that was shot where we're preparing to do wells. This is what you know we do uh, every three days a new well, and this is the process. This is going on day after day after day. The whole time you and I are doing the things that we're doing, this is going on. Every day this team gets up and does this. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and run that spot about what, what it takes to put one of these wells together. Many people do not have access to safe, clean water, which is why we have made it our mission to help change that. It takes time, prayer, and research to identify the right locations for new water wells. As we discover a village that could use clean water, we travel there to get to know the people. We cover a lot of ground and spend countless hours on our way to visit the unclean water sources and back again as we search for the ideal spot for the new well. The exciting part comes next. The surveyor confirms that the water is present and then the drilling team is mobilized. Water eventually springs forth. The community's happiness explodes, a realization that sets in and know that God has heard their cry for help. Following the completion of the well and the installation of the custom sign, a celebration praising and thanking God is held. Many come to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Destinies are being changed around the globe, one clean water well at a time. Donate online at ElijahStreams.com slash donate or mail a check today to Elijah Streams, 525 2nd Avenue Southwest, Suite 629, Albany, Oregon, 97321. Man, I love that. I just love that. Uh, and Doreen and I will be heading out in February to actually go to Uganda. We'll have some footage of her and me at the well, inspecting some of these wells and meeting the people and uh, people are really, truly, honestly coming to the Lord because of these wells. At the wells, at, as they're inaugurated, then there's a, a call to receive Christ, the, 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 the same Jesus who helped get those wells in there, because these are all done in the name of Jesus. So when you donate uh, your um, money, whether, whether it's a little or a lot, it goes to this. Most of what uh, comes in goes to water wells more than any other thing. Um, and so anyway, as 
I love it. At the end of one of our videos, the, the um, gentleman says, all gifts are important, but water is life. And so that's going to be my slogan going forward or our slogan um, going forward. All gifts are important, but water is life. Of course, we need your monetary gifts in order to turn that into fresh water. So, all right. Very, very good. God bless you. Thank you for your giving. And uh, let's go ahead and bring in Johnny Enlow Unfiltered. Here we go with Johnny. 1349 hours declaring it a riot. My message hasn't changed. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You must from now on target darkness in your society. We are almost there. The pain is for the awakening. The awakening is for your children. Hey, Merry Christmas, Johnny. Good to see you today. Merry Christmas, Steve. Yeah, I like those uh, little, I like those little Christmas decorations behind yeah. you. Well, thank you. Yeah, we've got the. These were our 1990s. All our kids had these M M&M. and M. We buy them every year and put it in their stockings. This M M&M, and M, uh, like a candy cane, like a in a tube, and at the top oh, would yeah. be these M M&M and M figures. Uh, and they ran every year would be new. And so they would collect them year after year. And so then they became the M&M village is made out of all those tops. It's pretty good. Pretty fun. Well, we've got some interesting stuff to get into. And I, I have a question here and here and what we talked about just before we came on. Every single one of them feeds in. You know, I don't know. Do I ask this question or that question first? Because they all bleed into each other. So I don't. Let's see how this goes. OK, because this is a Q&A day. We don't have, I've got a list of questions. You don't have them in front of you. So. No, I don't. I don't. So um, I'm going to just go ahead and uh, start with, um, oh, I just don't know which way to go. Uh, let me start with the Revelation 3.8 because it will feed into the other one. So I could have asked it the other way around. So I'm going to have, um, Emily, if you'll go ahead and put that on the screen. And I'm just going to read it. It's four or five screens. So this is Revelation 3.8 and King, New King James Version. It says, the Lord is saying, I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it. And you have a little, you have a little strength for you have a little strength, have kept my words and have not denied my name going forward. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they're Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet to know that I have loved you, Revelation 3, 9. It looks like, okay, is there no, because you've kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I think there's one more. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Okay, so here's, I'm going to just read the four questions that come with that. And that is, I want to know, who are these Jews? They're, or or who, who are these that say they're Jews, but they're not? When is this? If you have any idea, that's the one question that we rarely ever get an answer to. But maybe the question is, when is this not? Um, and when it says, I'm keeping you from the hour of the, the trial that which shall come upon the earth, which trial is that? Is that the one we're in these days when we actually see false Jews like the Kazarian mafia? And then the last question I'm giving these all at the same time, and then I'm going to turn you loose on it. And, and that is, is there one fulfillment of the scripture, or are there like multiple fulfillments of this, and we and we might be in, in one of them? Okay, there you go. Did I give you too much? Um, no, I might have to be reminded about the order of it. 
Yeah, and, no, just whatever. Yeah, go for it. Well, you know, I don't have, I, I haven't done, we'll say the deep, thorough dive on this and have it written up as a book. Like I have many things from Revelation yeah. books. I don't have anything from there. And, you know, I have looked into it a, a lot just besides that. <clears throat> and I don't have complete clarity. It's obviously speaking into a situation that I believe was uh, real with the Church of Philadelphia that and and we we don't really have any other descriptions from scripture so we just have to go by extra biblical information and there's really not enough for that to to go with either uh, you okay. know I think we talked about the application we possibly have for now those who say they are Jews and are not and what you even mentioned this thing called the Khazarian Jews and the Khazari mafia and and briefly if I say this right the these are a group of almost this this goes back like to 800 to a thousand after christ and they were some um i don't know almost like marauding gypsy um groups band of uh you know half bandits half civilized tribal whatever and they would take over a place but they were known for being um very base and very people say luciferian possibly they were the bloodletting sacrifice cannibalistic mm. uh human trafficking a lot of the things that we would apply to deep state uh right now that i mean those of you who've been hearing the the you know the deep dives on the luciferianism that's involved in in the deep state activities and so there was um the way uh, the way i'm remembering the history of it is somewhere between 800 and 1000 after christ essentially they were doing so much damage and there was nothing redeeming about them that the Tsar of Russia defeated them in some battle and then gave them an ultimatum that they would that they that they are worthless human beings in the way they are carrying themselves and whether training their kids and that he was going to give them an option of choosing one of the three Abrahamic religions and that they were to then commit to that and train their kids in that and have some standards and values and he didn't care which one they had but if they did not that he would wipe them out he would and, and the he and the he is the lord who is czar. the czar the czar of russia yeah and okay. they were interestingly enough based and centered in ukraine kiev um you know there's kind of a come around full circle on that so uh, the way uh, this particular, um, I'm going to say story goes, I've, I've read it from a history standpoint as well in, in more than one place, is that they chose, they thought through, number one, since they were sort of independent rebel-minded ones, they wanted the least control possible. And so Islam was based out of Istanbul, very hands-on and their Sharia law and all that kind of stuff. So they did, definitely didn't want to be Muslim. And Christianity was also based out of Rome and very controlling um, for those who, who remember. So there was no going to be no freedom to operate there. And so the one that was not going to intrude much, the one religion that they could, um, you know, absorb, be a part of, be involved in and, you know, train their kids and still really be able to be who they wanted to be was Judaism. And so that's the one they chose. Oh, okay. that even from a tribal standpoint, they are not Semites. Uh, they are not Jewish by blood. 
They weren't and, Jewish, so they weren't Jewish at all. As far if you're talking about blood, they weren't God's they, chosen people that did that. Right. There's an author. There's a book. I, I believe it's called The Thirteenth Tribe, and he is Jewish himself, and actually Khazarian Jewish himself, saying it's acknowledged that they, I believe, come from Japheth, not from Shem, which would be where the Jewish, uh, you know, lineage is from. And so then what comes out of that is a high percentage of them till this day. There is uh, not a neat history, a line of history that takes you from there till today, but a high percentage of those who live present in Israel would have come from that strain of Judaism, which would be the Khazarian, which would be that their lineage, their blood is not actually that, and that really those who come from what would be known as the Ashkenaz uh, Jews, that they are, um, you know, some would say they're not real Jews. And then, um, and so the Sephardic would be more the real, and they're more scattered around the world and in a lot of Latin America and other places. So the where we can take that too far is scripture doesn't tell you or doesn't tell us that somebody has to be pure blood Jewish and, or nor does it tell us how to do that to be considered Jewish. And okay. so All right. obviously for generations, these have now lived as well with that. And they have lived learning, well, depending on who we're talking about, they've, they've learned Hebrew. They've, they've learned, uh, you know, the training that comes with Judaism. And so, and they've experienced uh, persecution and, and and being undesired around the world that goes with being Jewish as well. But you hear, so the application that where it comes to now is you hear that certain families like the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and the what is Epstein's and Weinstein's, there's a whole lot of those that are notorious around the world right now for being particularly evil come from that strain. Oh, really? Oh, wow. The, and, you know, this is away from the question you're asking. The downside is it's leaving to a very, there is a, an up, uptick in anti-Semitism because of the Khazarian Jews. Because they're really, their history, um, again, we do a whole program in uh, sometime, is, is, is so bad that there, you know, it, it really leads to, it feeds anybody who's already anti-Semitic in any way. It feeds it in a, in a in a big way, and so there is a danger of over indulging in thinking through that grid. And uh, you know, and, and so I, it just comes to mind. We haven't talked about this either, Steve. I know uh, you had Nick Alviar on yeah. before, and right. I know another one of his another one of his presentations, videos or movies or documentaries or whatever is on the Khazarian. It would be interesting to what he has, what he has yeah. on them. But to connect back to what you're asking out of revelation, those who say they are Jews and are not, it's a real app. It, 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 the way it does have application is, is Judaism has gotten, gotten a bad name for hundreds and hundreds of years wow. or the yeah. behavior of these Khazarian Jews that have infiltrated and at, at times, you know, shown to have no soul and just do anything um, for their purposes, for money or for whatever. And it has been considered that this is representative of, of Jews when it's really this same brand, this group, this 
marauding group of, uh, of, I don't know what else to call them, other rebels, and they were like the Huns, and they were just, you know, they're a wild group. They've been out of control for the longest time. And and um, I, there's different theories about where they actually come from. And I don't I don't I'm not clear on that. I that I think the proof is there for that. But so are they giving Jews and Israel a bad name? And it's the Khazarian Jews that actually pulled the strings in order for this present Israel state to be formed. The wow. Rothschilds and others. So things. in it's, a sense, it muddies the water a lot. So it's kind of like. Um... Really, the, it was a cabal-based, the bad guys, the black hats, if you were, that are responsible for the good thing we think is the, the, the birth of Israel in their own land. That's confusing, isn't it? Like, who do you It's very confusing. And so you wonder, is the Lord, will it be a similar thing in the sense the cross was really not something drawn up for the church or apostles and prophets? The cross was something done by the evil the evil ones, but wow. it was turned by the Lord and he allowed the enemy to think he was advancing his agenda when he was in fact advancing heaven's agenda. So do we have that scenario taking place in Israel? That's where my thoughts have been is that, yeah, the enemy tried to go ahead and, and the enemy being very astute and seeing the scriptures that there is a restoration plan for Israel coming. It's like, well, let me just run ahead of this whole thing and set it up with our people, our leadership, because it has been Khazarian leadership infrastructure in government, Mossad, et cetera, that has, that has been the, the basic power there. So we don't want to think of, unfortunately, then people start thinking of all of Israel, uh, your, we'll say, run-of-the-mill Israeli as being one of them. And you have to see so differently, just like we know in our own countries. We have these one percenters or whatever it is at the top doing horrible, dastardly things. And doing things in the name of our nation that don't represent the citizenry of this country. And we have the same scenario. So it is like it says there, Revelation, those who say they are and are not are creating. You know, and I got to add one thing that every time I read that, I forget to read the next phrase. It says they say they are Jews, but they're not. And then it says they lie. In other words, this is an intentional cover up. This isn't people that says, well, I'm not sure what my origin is. These are people that know they're telling a lie that they're really not part of part of Jew, Judaism or Israel, or however we would say that. No, and not only that, it goes into, I think we've sort of touched on it before, is how the enemy is always going to, his advanced forces, Satan's advanced forces are always going to be um, something that is, they are parked right beside that which is good. They will have been infil there'll be infiltration right next to what is holy. You know, he's going to have his highest assets under which is called the church. He's going to have his biggest assets uh, involved in what is what looks good. He okay. comes as an angel of light. So if you see him as a dark angel, that's really a weak. It's not even a cover for him. And so you have to that's really has to be anywhere open satanism exists has to be considered some lower level well, that's uh, interesting plan compared to because that's how we how he comes well, that's it's true he comes as an angel of light so in a, uh, just a quick aside then for a lot of hollywood a-listers who are doing illuminati stuff and occultic rituals 
You're saying that's not even the purest evil. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Well, not that because they, that is Illuminati, is illumination, is light. They're coming as angel of light. That's part of the disguise. But if they go to, you know, uh, you have, we, we think of it as, as demonic and Lucifer because we've been instructed. That's just, that's just the front. Um, But but it's everywhere, you know, the masonry and the high, the high levels of masonry. It's, it's, it's church and church based and, and they're doing good things. Um, We're, his highest assets will always be doing good things as a cover to the horrible things they're doing. So whenever there's only doing bad, that means he's not hiding himself there. And if he's not hiding, he is too obvious. He's a wolf without sheep's clothing and he can't be effective. So he does that too. And so there's the, the open Satanist, just awful stuff that 99% of the people of the world just have a gut reflex of, Hey, but where he hides himself is, is like this. It would be in church. It would be right next to those who have a special call. Um, they were the original roots for, you know, the faith of Abraham connected to Israel and all that. So yeah, there's going to be the sanctuary of, uh, of Satan and, and that, that scripture, you know, uh, it, Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but lie. I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Now, that's a great promise we haven't talked about in any any kind, but the synagogue of Satan. So they're pretending to be synagogue, but they're synagogue of Satan. And it's just something to be aware of. Now, I can't remember if there's some other, what other part of the question there didn't I answer there? Uh, well, the, 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 the last part, it says, I'll keep, you know, because he's saying all these good things about this church, uh, Philadelphia. He says, because you're, because you've kept my command, that last verse to persevere, I will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. So then what we were just talking about at the beginning of the program is this, did this happen? This would have had a current fulfillment in that day. And in almost every case, it has an additional fulfillment than the current one, right? Yes. And so we understand that all seven of those churches were given both a warning and, and there's a promise. Well, there's a part of here's what you're doing that I like. And but there was really a call to either repent by all of them or hold on. And essentially none of them did because they all ceased to exist as as church. And so we we understand that um, there was a part of all that. We'll say the warning that was went unheeded or didn't fulfill. And then there's also the thought um, that each one of these churches um, apply to. There are seven different dispensations of church or there are seven different types of church upon the earth at any given time. And this is one of them. I also have not developed just in notes where each one of these churches goes with one of the seven mountains. And um, and so as people have to understand that is just the reality of Scripture. It's it's people I am. They make it elastic and do things with it. There's an aspect of. It being alive at any time, at any age, and in different ways. Yeah, different I think ways. that's legitimate, don't you? It is alive. It is. It is. It alive. is alive, but it's also it is. It is known. Again, we'll say even the rabbis of Israel accept uh, 
uh, that there are four different ways a scripture could be used. I don't know if I'll do it by memory, uh, do it justice, but one is just plain the way you read it. And just, it is what it is and what it says it is. Uh, but then there's the symbolic way of it. And then there's where it's speaking into a bigger picture of something else. Anyway, I, I actually write about it in one of my books, but I don't have it refreshed in, in my mind. There's yeah. four different ways you can. It's like four different lights on the same scripture. And so it can be. It doesn't mean you get to you know, stretch it and do anything you want with it. But it, it is meant to be more applicable than as someone would say, that's not what it was written for intentionally the first time. Well, there's, uh, you know, there's multiple biblical. Yeah, yeah. The, the question that, would have to be, which which application are we applying here? So now let me just let me throw one in to uh, not necessarily complicate it, but hopefully not. But uh, a quick backstory for 30 seconds when i was bedridden almost 15 years ago uh i words started coming from prophets that i trusted one of them was mahesh one of them was stacy campbell and there was a couple others that sent word that this was witchcraft pure witchcraft that was causing me to be bedridden i was it was like a seven-year process and 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 mahesh said send give this scripture to steve schultz i was literally in bed i couldn't go i was gonna go i couldn't and he said, Revelation 3.8, this scripture was what he sent. And, you know, and he said, and basically I looked at it and he says, I read the whole thing as we just did. And I, the part that I zoned in on is, indeed, I will make them come and worship at your feet and let them know that I've loved you. The point was, one day the enemy detractors, some of them in human form, of course, who were sending the witchcraft, would be saying, I now understand. God loves you. And I was, you know, so what, what, what's your thoughts? So did I complicate it or? No, that's, that's just so much how, how the scriptures will be used and, and, and can be used. And so the Holy spirit can breathe on it and shed another light on it. And so it can be a type and shadow of something. It can be symbolically something. It can be the real thing that happened. It can be speaking into a future at the same time. And, you know, we, we have you have Joel chapter two, and it talks about the army of God. And I'll pour out my spirit on my sons and daughters. Then you go to Acts two, and it says, This is that which this prophet Joel was yeah. speaking of. And then you had them say that again at Azusa Street a uh, hundred something years ago. Uh, this is this is what Acts two was talking about, and referring also to God's army being raised up in Joel chapter two. And so it doesn't mean uh, they're wrong, they've over applied it. It is it is really meant to be used in a multi it's called the manifold wisdom of God. Oh, good. Yeah. Many faces. And so it addresses situations as needed, but it's why it is, it does us good to feed on the word because he can speak into our specific circumstance through a word that yeah, originally meant something else. It was for somebody. Yeah. And I, I mean, I could almost say, I could almost guarantee it and put it in writing that there's someone listening right now who that scripture has applied to them personally, not just me, but someone else, because it can be applied like that. Just like, you know. Well, and the most common will say the scripture that this is done with is Psalm 91.1. He who dwells in the secret place of the most high. Nobody's just saying, well, context, context, context. That was for David. That was for then. That was like, no, it's understood. Um, this is something we can continue to use and be strengthened by. Um, uh, for for ourselves and multiple aspects of of that chapter as you as you read through it and you 
the different things he'll protect us from. They'll all of a sudden come alive. There's one that sounds like a virus, like, oh, this is a promise from God that I'm standing on. This virus is not going in. So that, then you stand on on that. And so those are people just need to know that's it's more than just permitted. It's understood that's the scripture is alive um, and it's 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 intended to be able to be um, to to speak into any person's situation in any nation in any culture. Not every verse in the Bible, but it's there to cover yeah. all that. So. I, you know, I think of that. I Doreen would she's out on a walk right now with the dog, but I mean, I would she if she was here, she would speak up and say, which it was, but a scripture was given to her when she had a miscarriage and she was about to have another. Okay, this was years and years ago, and she was so afraid because she'd already had one. And this scripture came across where it says, this is going to be written, and I'm going to send one who's this, then you'll have another one. And it was a certain scripture about three different children. Named, I can't even remember if it had specific names. It was so alive that she knew God had spoken to her that she would. this would be our third child would be alive and well. And you could not pride that from her she she knew that god had spoken to her from that scripture in the old testament it was pretty cool really no that was similar elizabeth had this open to a scripture when she was um i don't know if she's pregnant or we were done with her fourth daughter and um of course we have an adopted son after that but there was a, a scripture on the four horsemen and she got this direct uh messaging from from the lord the, these were our four horsemen okay and this was wow. a totally different situation you, you you couldn't say that this is something you're not going to go in seminary or somewhere else to learn right. about personal communication and i also you've heard this before the four four fours uh the application there and so there is i see them and on you know they'll be on the clock or the number will show up in just all kinds of places. For me, it signifies there's a fingerprint of God. I knew you were going to be here and I'm with you, that kind of stuff. But it would be, it was on, you know, I think it's my first 100, 150 mission trips I went. It would be on the airport. Every On my way to the airport, there would be a license tag that would pull in front of me, be in front of me that had the 444 um, every single time. And so, uh, wow. The odds were like you just couldn't do it. In fact, I remember one time like, wow, we didn't get to four four. And it's almost out of my mouth because we're pulling in like the Golden Delta. And this car rudely pulls right in front of us and it had the four, <laughs> four, four, four. We'll see. There's part of it. Psalms 44, four says command victories for Jacob. So to me, the Lord said, I have a commanded victory for you where you're going. Oh, good. So look for it. So but and it's a command so, victories for Jacob. Insistent. God is to communicate that to was to, to communicate that that he even had this. However, you would say that he he let this guy be rude if it took that rude rudeness to pull in front of you. So you were going to see. I love that. You know, uh, I love that part of God. I used to not believe in that part of it. I am totally a believer in it now. So, yeah, no, that that's all the all all the time. So yeah, yeah, the scripture is alive, and particularly when the Lord Lord knows you're paying attention. Yeah, and, and you're seeking from Him and the Holy Spirit. You know, he he has just a way to make it come alive in a in a unique way for us. So, all right. Well, let me ask another question about. Uh, I'm going to use the the subject is when. And one of the things you had said brought forth is, God will usually tell prophets what, and He almost never tells you when. And I think you may have said, if He tells you when, He's probably not going to tell you what is going to happen on that thing. 
case in point is God has told us Trump was going to be back as an example. And everybody tried desperately to hear when these things would be. It's like that scripture that says the prophets long to figure this one out, uh, to look into these things. But God almost never tells you when. Okay, so this one is an exception to the rule and where God said, God gave prophets both a when and a what. And I, and I mentioned just before it came on the air that uh, my, my spiritual father uh, was Wade Taylor. We prayed together every day for five years, for five years on the phone. Um, and we prayed. He was, he was praying for my health and everything, but then he would teach me along the way. Well, one day he told me, he told me more than once that in 2012, which was the year he eventually went home before that, he said, God said that the, God said this year, 2012 was the beginning of the, of the kingdom age. And I thought, what? I've never seen that anywhere. And what's he mean the beginning? Because I thought there's these things about the rapture. And okay. So I just tucked that away. Then he went home. But before he did that, he told me that Arthur Burt, the older man who was in his 80s said the same thing. 2012 was when there would be the without ebbing the the there would be no ebbing in the spirit beginning that year, and that was going to be the year of the church, the the kingdom age. We're leaving the church age behind and coming in towards the to the kingdom age. Okay, so that was two. Then uh, I met Kat Kerr, and she said God had just met with her in 2012 and told her in 2012, the kingdom age, she was to go in the middle of the country, put her staff down and declare that the kingdom age had arrived. And I'm going, oh, are you kidding? That's three. That's both the date and the event, the kingdom age. And then I told you that and you said what? Go ahead and tell your part. Well, it's Rosh Hashanah of 2012. There's a, you know, that's pretty significant encounter. It started with a dream and I woke up and I'm telling Elizabeth, I was like, I just got, I woke up from a dream and in it, I, I, I heard and understood that the kingdom age is just now this Rosh Hashanah. We begin, uh, we have begun, whether it started then, we are now in kingdom age time. And so, um, and then right when we're talking, got a call uh, uh, right then from a prophet friend of mine who um, said, I, I, John, I just need to tell you a dream. I was, uh, and part of even what I was sharing with Elizabeth is how what I was shown in my dream and what the Lord was speaking to me early morning was how we had um, really received something even from John Wimber. And, and there was this whole connection with George yeah. Fox. And if, if, I won't go into all for the time's sake, go into all that. But I was uh, uh, telling her all that. And so this prophet said, oh, and by the way, at this table. Um, all of a sudden, John Wimber turned to me in my dream and he said, tell Johnny the kingdom age did just begin. Whoa, so that, that's five. Yeah, and that was. But back to what you're just saying, we have the when, the what and the where. So we had five confirmations of the kingdom age and, and we'll say for 2012. And the point I think I made a year, a couple of years ago, and is the clearer you are on on one and uh, specifically the what and the where the clearer the what the less clear the where and the clearer the where the less uh, clear the what or another way to look at it the, the the more sure the time is the less sure the what will be and the more sure the what is the less sure the time 
but there is a when, a what, and a where. And so even the part that's still for discussion is, okay, what is the kingdom age? So we yeah, got what it. What like, these things mean? <laughs> what will be the sign, right? What's the shift? What's what's the change? So you, there's always going to be a, 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 a component that still has to be processed, thought out, waded through. But back to, for instance, there is nothing that was promised and more clear from the Old Testament that there would be a Messiah that would show up. You, if we want to call it the return of Jesus or the first time uh, of, of Jesus, but it was like, um, so the what was the clearest thing spoken of over and over. That there was not, you couldn't, you wouldn't, you couldn't be a Jew. You couldn't be a, a member of Israel. They didn't have memberships, but it, like everybody knew the Messiah was coming. Like every child has this, um, clearly taught to them in the instruction, so expectation, but at no time did was there any kind of clarity on when, and so, um, and and so it, it allowed created situations for hundreds of false, if not thousands of false messiahs, um, to show up. Uh, it's just a reality of the situation, and so we apply it to where we're at now. I believe the the strongest thing the Lord's saying is Trump is my Cyrus. He's been saying that. And I have him in place. And again, for me, is the world will be known as before Trump and after Trump. Yes. And this is me blowing the Trump. This is something I'm doing. And then what's less clear is exactly what his Cyrus's uh, role is. OK, is it the, the, the Biden seat? Is he going to be in there? <clears throat> Even now, as different prophetic voices and people try to, it, it's when you try to put uh, what the Lord has shown you and put it into everyday uh, situations, it can get it can get um, messy and fuzzy because he doesn't think and process things in that in that kind of way. And so it's like, yeah, he is he is the key person causing this thing to happen. He is the catalyst for the new world. Are you now, are you connecting that even intentionally uh, with the kingdom age? God then at the time of the kingdom age speaks to Trump. Three years later, he announces he's running. Are you kind of making a connection there? Well, I, I think there is a connection it, um, there. You know, whatever it was started, it was interesting because we were given, we'll say this false, this false narrative that, was going all over the place that the Mayan prophecies ended in right. 2012. And I'll just tell you, there was a bunch of um, prophets and prophetic names and books coming out, why it was the end and why it was all going to be done with by in 2012. So we heard that echoed and re-echoed from, uh, from every, I say from everywhere, from a lot of circles to the point where people would tell me, I don't hear anybody else that's considered a prophet saying, what you're saying that we're not ending in 2012. I said, no, we're just starting. It's the beginning. That was the whole point. Part of the point was it's the beginning of something. And in the beginning of something, it ends uh, something, but it was not the end of the world. There was definitely wrong um, transcribing of revelation taking place that those who thought they got revelation that the end was, was taking place. So as part of opening up this new and there's a way if you look back at even the tweets and things that President Trump was putting in his 2012 social media, 
um, that seems to be more relevant, his casting doubts and offering a million dollars for anyone um, that could show him where Obama, President Obama was actually from and born. That stuff will still come to roost in the future. Was he doing that in 2012? Yes. Trump was doing that? Oh, interesting. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. In 2012, he was like, there needs to be, for those caught in human trafficking, there needs to be a quick sentence execution. I forget exactly the wording. And so this figure is coming out. Again, he's a well-known figure, but his his voice is coming out with some strong those were very controversial oh my goodness like yeah. just radical execution and then you're saying he's not even a citizen and and all of a sudden <laughs> now we look like wow that was uh and so you know he wasn't president he was just himself but the lord was already blowing a trump if so, we want to yeah. if we want to say that so yeah. it's just a reality of the whole prophetic realm and world that things people were like hey i wish we could go back to why can't we have prophets like in the Old Testament where they just say it? And it's just like they said. And I was like, well, well who was that? Well, I think we've covered this before because um, that didn't happen that way. There's a reason Jeremiah, they kept wanting to kill him and put him in a dungeon. And he's in prison for years because he was accused of prophesying the same thing for 40 years. And so they kept accusing him of being a false prophet. And he was not a false prophet. Then you had Isaiah had no chance of his prophecy being fulfilled because 140 years before Cyrus ever showed up, he's prophesying Isaiah 45 about Cyrus and what he will do. So there is no chance of, of that prophetic word happening in, in his lifetime. So this this supposed uh, um, you know storyline we have that the prophets of the Old Testament were ones that got it real clear and didn't have any and everybody knew it. So the 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 leaders knew and the people of God knew. No, you go, you can go after prophet after prophet after prophet and what they, what they said and how long it took. We brought you, you know, Samuel, one of the highest levels said the Lord allowed no word to fall from the mouth of sin. You know, every word he said was attended to by God and he anoints David. The Lord has rejected Saul. You're the king. Well, it's decades before he's there. And then in between that, there's Ishbosheth. Um, that comes in and, and then uh, another one that comes in briefly. So he's not even the next. Yeah, they even had two kings at one point, right? Uh, is, what, is that what you're saying there? Yeah, they were someone else and David ruled. And then David only had Hebron. David only had Hebron for seven wow. years. So it's like this idea that the prophetic just makes everything. Yeah, in hindsight or whatever, you'd say, well, the prophets got it so and there's a misnomer that people say, well, they, they got it right or they were stoned. No, they didn't. They they were stoned for, for following God. That's why they were stoned. They weren't they weren't stoned for missing it. If they missed it, the God said, don't be afraid of them. But OK, let me just let's go to the 30 or 40,000 foot level. And and now knowing what you know that about what God has said five times that in 2012, we're we're beginning or however you want to say it, to leave the church age and move into the. Uh, kingdom age if you had five minutes and no one's going to interrupt you what i want what does that generally mean because even leaving the church age the bible says that the king jesus said the, the the gates of hell won't prevail against the church so if you say well we're leaving the church age it sounds like we're leaving the church age and i mean go ahead and talk about 
Well, you know, think of it. I think I can give a, a mental picture that assists us. Okay, okay. we know the 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 rainbow has seven colors. Yeah. And let's say one of the colors is blue. Okay. And um, and blue is awesome. But let's say the Lord says, we're going to stop just emphasizing blue. The blue age is over. It's now the full rainbow age that's coming. It doesn't mean the blue no longer is mentioned or a part or valuable. It's just in its context. So okay. what am I going to? Here's the application. So to me, the church going from church age to kingdom age is going from thinking through my seven mountain grid again to help you all visual. There's the mountain of religion where we say the church is. And so we've been mountain of religion. It's church centric. It's thinking through revival grid, through what happens in your free, free moments, you know, weekends, nights. And, and that's the mentality. So we got to go from church age to kingdom age, which is God in every area of society, okay. media, economy, government, education, family, arts, entertainment. So in that, in the seven is still, yes, mountain of religion is still there. So the church is still in. Well, that's a really good explanation. I'm telling you, all the years since I've been hearing this, a few years, I've never heard an explanation that made so much sense. That makes perfect sense. We're so not, we're not really leaving it. We're leaving it as the primary focus and, and going into the big picture. The expanded. Like the kingdom we is go from what's, yes. Yeah. You see, it's just like there's a strand we've been in. It's like, no, let's, let's not just talk about the strand. Let's go to the whole thing. Jesus said, seek first. The kingdom of God. There's this whole relationship between the kingdom and the church, which is an interesting conversation, and we're sort of touching on it a little bit uh, right now. There is the value of the church. The church is His bride. His bride makes herself ready. I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. But He says, "Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness." So there is the bigger of what He's doing, and and so the kingdom exists in heaven and on earth. And then there's Yes, we've been understanding this church part, but we have to expand into kingdom thinking. It's the kingdom age. There's a kingdom demonstration. And once you start thinking and processing kingdoms, then you start thinking more easily about cities, nations, a God that fills all in all. That goes to the Habakkuk 2.14. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea, as opposed to the church age grid will be we only know how to talk about and it's still good it's fine we're going to have one billion souls yeah that's good but you're still talking about church centric stuff kingdom stuff you're talking about the knowledge of the glory of god filling and, the whole you know, and it, with the, with the united states at least maybe it's the whole world as far as the church age is was has been for hundreds of years the pastor is the boss. Clear everything through him. Whatever he says, you can do. You can do whatever he says. Right there was that thing. I don't know. It's that's been sweeping. We're still seeing the effects of that when we talked about the things we talked about last week and the week before. So it was like everything is headquartered at the church, uh, and right, and and this whole idea about going into society into all the world, going into all the world. I always took that, I mean, go to Africa, go to Zimbabwe, go to all these areas. That's all the world. But the kingdom age says, no, go into all the world, the entertainment, education, et cetera, et cetera, right? Business, that's all the world. 
it, it's in all that. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And it tells you that light must be put on a lampstand. And the lampstand had seven uh, candles, seven lights, or seven burning flames of fire around the throne. It says, which are the seven spirits of God. These are sent out to the whole world. So it gives you, you begin to connect the scriptures that we do often through our resources and sometimes in our messages here. You understand the kingdom of God was designed to show up in every area of society, of which there are seven primary spheres. And this is how you fully receive and then reveal the king on earth. And so that we've thought of him, the word kingdom has been being used for forever, but kingdom, somebody you say, I love the kingdom of God, and they're thinking people getting saved. Then we right. find the, yeah. Yeah. the charismatic movement was about. No, the kingdom is not just people getting saved. It's about people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit as it progressed more. Yeah, and it's about them receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but it's still church-centric. It's still church age. It's church Yeah, I mean, the good news is it was on its way towards busting out. It was out. growing. It was getting and, there. And John Weber perfected uh, doing the stuff, and he would take it to the streets. He'd say... He would use the prophetic for evangelism, and people, I'd be going, "What? We can do that? We can use?" I mean, that was revolutionary thinking in the '80s, right, and maybe the '90s. Um, but now it's busting out completely out, yeah. of the, out of the four walls. And as we've said before, uh, but there's always new ones listening. If if a pastor's looking at his church, a maximum of three percent of his congregation will ever have a traditional ministry assignment means a maximum of 3%, even yeah. in their whole lifetime will either be pastor, youth pastor, kids, you know, some, whatever full-time church staff, uh, only 3% max. So that means 97% of your church will not have one of those assignments. And if you do not validate full-time ministry for them in the other six mountains, that's one mountain, the other six mountains, Monday through Friday, then you're missing where the kingdom needs to show up. But you also miss um, not just motivating your church, but they all, they remain, as we've found, they remain with a, a, a orphan mentality, second-class citizen in the kingdom perspective of themselves. It's like, wow, if I was really called, the Lord would give me, you know, a platform, a traditional platform, a traditional uh, microphone, and I would be able to do it from there. So part of yeah, the Kingdom Age, our message, Seven Mountain Mandate message is 100% of you are needed to rise up and fulfill a ministry call and assignment. There is no such thing as secular. 3% or so are going to do what we thought of traditional church ministry, what we used to think is ministry. Now ministry is, hey, if you have an assignment in media, you need to understand what the kingdom is supposed to look like in media. If you're in arts and entertainment, you need to understand what the kingdom of God should look like in arts and entertainment. And you're not just called to get people saved in there. The system itself has to look on earth as it is in heaven. These seven areas are areas that exist in heaven. There's a communication systems in heaven. There's a family system in heaven. Uh, oh, really? no, I, I don't think I've heard you describe it like that before. There's a say that again now. Start about a well, think of the seven mountains, yeah. and there's media, education, government, economy, family, arts, entertainment, religion. These are they're describing seven faces of God that exist in heaven. Mm, so there's okay. seven, seven systems of heaven, 
Heaven, we're not just going to walk around saying, Jesus saves. Isn't it good that Jesus saves? And it's like you're going to see evidence of how he provides. So you're like, oh, my goodness. God as provider is blowing my mind away. That would be a mountain of economy. Then you're going to look at the creativity of everything he's doing. You're like, wow, God as creator is blowing me around. Good. Then you're going to look like the order of heaven, the government of heaven. Oh, my goodness. It is not anarchy, but it is sure not control. This is like, and so there's the glory of each one of the seven faces of God that are already revealed on heaven. So we understand the expanded perspective of what Jesus was when he's saying on earth as it is in heaven. He has an education system in heaven. So we want to begin to think in that direction, study in that direction, learn from scriptures how that is. In heaven, we will continue to be taught. We will continue to grow in knowledge. In fact, we have to assume, and and there's no other way around, like you go to Revelation 4 and 5, when you hear that every so often the 24 elders, uh, they cast their crowns down and go, holy, holy, holy. These demonstrations of passion and emotions towards the king, it's because they've just been revealed something new about who he is and what he's doing. Ongoing education. It's not because all of a sudden Michael's coming with a whip and say, hey, it's time, boy, to do that, you know, sh- uh, put the show on. No, it's like there's a progressive unveiling, uh, an education, knowledge of God increasing in heaven, even based on his plan for earth being revealed that blows their mind. And they have to make these um you know, these emotional demonstrations before yeah. all of heaven about that. So we have that for every single one. Okay, we've meant uh, arts and entertainment, education, economy, the provision, uh, family. There's the family of heaven. It talks about the family of heaven. And, and that's something we're going to experience when we're there. We're like, oh, my goodness, this is like healthy family, healthy father, healthy brothers and sisters. And there is something to be desired in heaven. So we're going to live in the glory of these seven aspects, seven faces of who he is, the seven spirits of God. Again, it's biblical. It comes out of Revelation there. It talks about the seven spirits of God. And they have an assignment on earth because it says there are seven blazing flames of fire around the throne. So they're in heaven. And then it says these are the seven spirits of God. And then the next chapter says that go throughout the whole earth. So we have this. Um, bilocational um, assignment for the seven spirits of God. They're in heaven around the throne, but they're on earth looking to establish the kingdom on earth. So it's the kingdom age because we haven't begun doing that. You can go back to all the other revival movements. Every great time you want to talk about Azusa Street, the healing movement in the 40s, Azusa Street in the early uh, 1900s, whatever, whatever time period, the Protestant Reformation, nothing has the component of what this kingdom age is to have is whether we see him as the God of all life, like he is in heaven. We're going to experience him not on weekends and not on Sundays. We experience him in all of life. And so we are called to receive that and reveal that. And that's what's new. That's what began in 2012. That's why there is a removing of a mafia that's been blocked, that's been blocking the tops of the seven mountains that we're going through right now. And it's very it's a very intense process, and uh, uh, even when we all talk about this, we tend to we tend to gravitate towards the things that describe Christian living and kingdom living. But but this also means 
if somebody is by and large an inventor, that's all they think about day and night. They they love the Lord, but they invent, they invent, they invent. That's just as much kingdom, right? What he's Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. That's that's your God is some combination or of God as creator or God as provider. You are yeah. experiencing some aspect. That's his image in you that's yeah. doing that. And so to to consider that as secular. Um, yeah. is such a violation of who he is. You know, it's not. It's totally a spiritual operation. Yeah, I, I watched a uh, movie last night, a Christmas movie. is a one-year-old with Kelsey Grammer, and, and his dad was a fixer. He just loved to fix things. He taught his son to fix. That was ingrained in them. That's what they loved to do. They wanted to teach their children to fix things. Uh, so that was an example, a micro example of someone providing and that's kingdom right if they brought the lord into it i guess you would say and maybe you maybe you'd say it's kingdom even if they don't mention the lord what well, i don't know what would you say about that well that's the first thing that we we see the biblical example just answering that what you're talking about joseph in the old testament he was a man who through his dreams either his own dreams or through interpreting dreams We'll just say through the prophetic, that was that was his stream. That's where he got the different level yeah. uh, of revelation and favor that they were just in awe of because, you know, whether it was in Potiphar's house who put him in charge of everything or he even goes to prison wrongly and they put him in charge of everything. And then he's in government and they put him in charge of everything. Why? He's got prophetic access. He's hearing from God on these on these matters. And so when you have a, a person that can hear this, it, it's a, a game changer. But it doesn't say Joseph made them repent first. He didn't say, now, Pharaoh, I will tell you what God showed me because he's got a plan to save Egypt and save the nations. He just told them the plan to save Egypt and the nations. And then Pharaoh goes, spirit of the living God's on this man. Put him out for everything. And it says, and all nations came to Joseph. And what we understand of history, none of the nations came to the Lord. Pharaoh didn't come to the Lord. They were all idolatrous, worshipped other gods. And everything. That's crazy. When you think about it, this guy, it's like God missed an opportunity that he could have. You know, God didn't miss anything. God doesn't it, mess up. So somehow no, or other. There's a key instruction here, though, Steve, is that God is kind because he's kind. Yeah. He's generous because he's generous. He's that's good true. because he's good. He doesn't want people to starve because he's a good father. Now, and he doesn't, he's, you know, he, he's not the, the salesman, like, well, do this, uh, and then I'll do this. Like, like you said, he misses the leverage that he could do, but that's, there's an, a major insight for us in that. And yeah. so it was, a, it was something that set me free in ministry before, because I used to think there had to be an angle to why, okay, why am I being, I'm praying for this person to be healed. And so what do they got to do after they're healed? Okay, I'm reading. The Lord has just told me there's going to be this gold mine discovered here, and it did. And it was like, okay, this is so you all repent. And it, no, this is because He's kind. Yeah, you didn't put a condition on it, did you? You didn't say if you'll serve the Lord and acknowledge Him, the gold mine will come. That's and it was a struggle. It was a struggle for me, but I, you know, I it was because you thought that you probably thought you were supposed to be doing that a little bit. That's my know. old paradigm. And then the Lord yeah. said, "The kindness, no, you're not." Like it says in Romans, "The kindness of God." leads to repentance and so he's kind and that makes his path more attractive so if if you leave his path looking more attractive you've done your assignment 
and then the rest is let the Holy Spirit finish the work. And yeah. so, you know, hey, I, you know, I, I have something I want to do a little diversion on because we're on Joseph. So I'm going to stick with Joseph here for a minute um, because I've never heard this taught. The Lord gave this to me. No one's ever taught it, but it makes sense to me. I want to process it because we come into Christmas. We just ended Thanksgiving. There are all these broken relationships that families become the most blatantly obvious at these seasons. You know, funerals, weddings, Christmas, Thanksgiving, all of that. And we think about Joseph had been betrayed, the ultimate betrayal, sold. You know, as far as their, the brothers yep. were concerned, he could have died or been killed. They didn't care. They just didn't want the blood on their specific hands. Okay, so when Joseph becomes second in command, depending on who you ask, there was probably one other major power. Maybe it's um, uh, in the Babylon area, but Pharaoh was either the most powerful person on the whole earth or, or one of the two or something like that. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Head to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Now back to the show. Joseph is made second in command. He had all the wealth. He had all the authority. He could do anything he wanted. And yet he waited, which had to be by revelation. He could have sent emissaries to back home to where his father was to go, go find out what's happening to them. Go tell them I'm alive. Go tell them I've got food here. He waited and waited. How do we know he waited? Because he, they came to him. I don't know if he knew. And I felt the Lord has been talking to me about that this entire year. So it's not, I just, this brought it up just now, but he's been talking about that. Joseph had all the power and opportunity and money and wherewithal to go tell his father he was alive. And he waited. He waited until God brought them to him. And God's been talking to me about family members that so many of us feel like it's our job to go tell our family members now, and especially in the holiday seasons, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. Don't you see that God's with me? Can't you see God's blessing me? Uh, you know, and God's saying, Steve, tell them, Joseph waited. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I know you've got family things too. What are your thoughts about all that? Well, first of all, with Joseph, it doesn't tell us clearly but what i believe is that <clears throat> he already knew his brothers were ready to sell him out in fact if it wasn't for one of them saving his life they weren't just going to sell him they were going to kill him they were yeah. ready they they were they considered him the 17 year old arrogant uh, uh, kid and then worse because their father liked him um and gave him the coat of many colors but it also says that when he had his dream of uh of the sun and the moon the stars bow um i'm trying True. to remember that that yeah bowing that he, down to him. even his father rebuked him okay people forget that <clears throat> so i think that joseph when he's in egypt didn't go back to them because he assumed that his father was also finally done with him really? that it wasn't his brothers and that they would have he didn't imagine that they would have told the father the lie and and I, I don't know if he thought what might have what might have happened there but he's just like yeah my dreams of what god's going to do in my life they 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 hit a thud in my own father and so i i think the reason he didn't pursue that but it still turned out in the way what you're talking about there's still 
he didn't yeah there's a part of you makes you think would he have gone to at least spy on and check yeah and right out? you would think you know, we hear from scripture that his father was pining away for for him and sad and it was a sorrow for forever but that wasn't necessarily joseph's insight and perspective so that's just about one thing but the rest of it is yeah you know we i think we just have to stay in in constant hope that everyone's journey is being uh overseen by he who loves them more than we as parents do yeah that's good and um and when we understand that then what becomes hard particularly if you're a parent if this can help i think we may have talked into this before but we know there's new people all the time is you know you want to do the best you can and assist at maintaining an open door between whoever's uh, you know the prodigal and the lord yeah. where it's we see that from the prodigal son in the scripture that there was something the prodigal you know speaking of waiting um he waited at the end of the road he didn't go to the pig pen he didn't because uh, i think this does directly speak into what you're we're talking about because it tells us the prodigal son spent everything he had it was in the pig pen and having to get food from there as well it doesn't say the father chased you know went after him that way we do hear about he who left the one uh left the 99 for the one um but then it's probably uh, the more accurate picture that he he left them and ran down the road, you know, and I, you know, it's, every analogy well, and metaphor is imperfect, but I mean. But yeah. what's different even there, Steve, is that on that one, you know, that lamb that got lost didn't go to him and ask him for his yeah. money and didn't show that he was displeased with the family order. You can see why there's two different analogies there. Because yeah, so you can, yeah. Under different circumstances, what took place. And in the one where it's truly like, I'm done with your world. I don't want to serve your God. I want to do your system. You, there is a wait, what you're just talking about. There is a waiting because you don't do the, well, I'm going to leave the, the 99 and go for the one. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, think, I think that's the, the, the picture God's been giving me. It's a, it's a wisdom of waiting. If you can use sort of an alliterative phrase, a wisdom of waiting, wisdom of waiting. Just wait. And then the, the thing that I am intrigued with is, you know, we we're we kind of I was a little bit enamored as a kid that he was forgiving of his brothers and he embraced him. And he wept. Well, he didn't weep first. He put them through H-E-double-L -L in every kind of way. And no, you would have to be not observing scripture to say it was that he put their stuff in their bags. He accused them of being spies. He put what? <laughs> He was not messing around. So it's interesting because we're talking about Joseph got this by revelation. I'm guessing he got that by revelation too. I don't know. But, yeah, I think there was still, he had to, he was testing their hearts because he. Yeah, he and I'm know. not, I'm not, I'm not, the, the point here is not to put your family through hell if they no. did, you know, but, but the point is the wisdom of waiting, I think, is what I'm trying to say. God has been really emphasizing that. You now you pray and you pray and you pray. And Jesus didn't say go into the harvest more than he said pray that there's be labors for the harvest because we we can't always minister to our own family or our own loved ones. We need someone else. And yeah. Anyway, 
I just yep. thought I would throw that out there while we're talking about Joseph and all that because yeah. it's been on me all 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 year long, Ray. All right, well, let's go ahead. Did you have anything else you sure. want to? Just relevant for the season we're going into. People are aware of the distance between themselves and family members they love. Yeah. And there's always there is you know we've heard that people come for counsel. Like what approach do they use? Do they do they do the the hard love? Um, you know people will face that for Christmas. Is like well you you can come but you're you're living in sin and they can't come and and so and you've gone this way and so we can't and if you don't you know there and there's t tough decisions to make there and we're not gonna um i'm not gonna try to make all the right ones for you but just realize part of your assignment is to try to keep an open door between them and the lord and and um and you know and in that there there's there's i'm not saying i can't make a definitive statement because if you have small kids in the household and you have larger kids in family like age is something that matters as well it's something you do have to seek the holy spirit it's it's hard but he's always working uh you know back to the song he doesn't relent um, yeah. and so he ha he's and going out it's like some people would say there's different ways to say this and more clear, clever ways to say that. But God factors in all of our stupid mistakes into every everything that he ever does for us. He already factors in the stupid things we'll do. The movie was I, I recommend this movie. It's called The Twelve Days of Christmas Eve. So that'll give you an idea about it. It wasn't it's not the Christmas Carol story, but um, we got a little bit of the what's that Groundhog Day thing and going there. And he just keeps trying to get it right. And every time he tries to get love right, and he never really gets it. Um, so I'm not, that's all I'm going to say until. So it, it's a great movie. I watched it last night. Uh, uh, I'm going to say, oh, they, they're saying, by the way, at the end here, please mention at the end, submit your questions to Johnny at johnnyenlowunfiltered.com. It's right there. I'm, read, I'm reading the small print, and it's right here. So, yeah, there we go. Yeah, do that. So let me let me ask you a couple more questions. We have a little bit more time. Um, someone, I, I don't. Here it is. This has been hanging around for a while and wanting to be asked. Um, now I can't even find it. It's like it's like it was it was here on number one. Okay, so a person wanted to know uh, how do and we've covered this several times before. We're gonna it, we always have new people. What's the difference? Be, and how do I know if I'm a prophet or just a prophetically gifted person? Uh, I know just from shoot from the hip, how, what would people, how would you teach a room full of people? How are you going to know if you're called to be a prophet or just a prophetically gifted person? Well, I'm going to give my perspective. Yeah. And so we know there are other uh, perspectives. Um, I've looked at essentially all the prof prophet or prophetic scriptures, old and new Testament. I am one who uh, really, uh, appreciates the word and likes to do things based on what scripture is clearly revealing to us when possible. Yeah. And you see this, um, this reality that um, it, it's okay. Let me simplify it again. I think it can be excess baggage to try to wrestle with yourself on whether you're prophetic or a prophet. This is what I, when interacting personally with young prophetic types, young prophets. And they're like, how do I know if I'm a prophet or not? And I'm like, you don't really need to know that. What you need to do is if you have a prophetic gift, the scripture says a gift makes place for itself. So if you exercise your gift and it's appreciated for what it is enough, 
then at some point, at least some people were go- are going to receive you as prophet. And um, and so that is, I, as I've told my own story, I didn't get from the Lord, you're a prophet, and start giving prophetic words. I started saying, you know, the Lord's just telling me this, and I started saying it, and they kept yeah. being right. And so people started calling me prophet. And so that's how I got and quote the title, which I didn't self give and or don't put on anything. It, it's definitely the function and definitely worked out that way uh, a lot. There's a lot of fruit from it and all that kind of stuff. And wherever uh, people receive me as such, they do get they they get the reward of having received me in that kind of way. And so it is. Uh, but again, you can you can become a head case trying to figure out if you're something there's people that want it more on their card or want to say they went to school and they were certified your gift makes way for itself where you don't even have to announce your you don't even have to announce your prophetic you just say like yeah. i literally have been around and interacted with ultimately hundreds of government people we've told you senators congressmen mayors presidents prime ministers many nations and it's primarily over the word gets out he hears from god and so yeah in some some way you know if it's a uh, somebody from our stream tells the past the, the president like this is a prophet you should hear from him they'll say that about me other ones will just say and probably that he doesn't even know what what that means but you got to have the goods of what it is and then if you know, if you get called it, fine. There's a real downside with being recognized for being a prophet yeah. or an apostle. Oh, there yeah. is being targeted and being so you kind of create a target around yourself when you announce yourself too quickly. If you under, if you think of prophetic being very similar to special forces in a way that you're you're the sniper, the shooter behind you know the unexpected that comes with the word from God, and you're telling too much about yourself then um, I can just tell you, it's been a lot more difficult to function as a prophet. Um, well, I say a lot more, somewhat more being known as a prophet than when I wasn't. It was just I, it, this f- absolute freedom just to uh, step yeah. in and say and do and do whatever, because you're not under this huge expectation. And there's going to be people that, uh, you know, misremember what was said or whatever done. There's so much more. Uh, the volume of work and the appreciation was great, great when I was relatively unknown and, and, and in that kind of way. And then you get put under a, a microscope that you may not be ready for, and it may it may make it difficult for you to function in faith. Well, I can you know, still function, but isn't it even true? In my, I'm I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but when I prophesied, and I was on the ministry team, exactly that happened. I did I determined in my life I was on the ministry team every Sunday, I was going to prophesy to a whole bunch of people. Well, all all of a sudden there's lines waiting for me and all that. I've never called myself anything. Steve, will you come pray for me? Steve, they always say pray. What they mean is, will you come prophesy? But they don't want to sound selfish, so they say, will you pray for me? But when I was promoted, this is like the late 90s in another state, not where I am now, and I was promoted to the prophetic pastor. All of a sudden, I'm getting criticism for the people I allowed to speak to also recognize, and the pastor called me up one time and said, why did you think that was helpful to have them tell how they got the word instead of just the word? And all of a sudden, 
I'm being criticized for all kinds of minutiae. I should have just said, no, thanks. Don't want to be a prophetic pastor. Just want to prophesy. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't even recommend that more strongly. If you want to enjoy your gift, just prophesy and stay out of leadership. I mean, I'm not telling you don't get it, but you're, you're not going to have as much fun. Well, and, you know, the, as you know, there's so many directions to speak into on this. There is what you're saying. Just exercise your gift. You do have to respect the leadership of wherever you go. And if there's yeah. been from the top there, you're going to church and it's being told we do not accept the prophets or the prophetic. We believe that died out. You either have to not do it or you have to change your language completely. And you can just say things like, you, you know, you pray for somebody. I said, I feel like the Lord showed me this because nobody argues with that. Again, whether you're your fundamental Baptist or or whatever, my sheep know my voice. So people you say, well, my sheep know my voice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can God lead you? Yeah. But if you call it prophet or prophetic, all of a sudden they don't. They're going to suffocate and, and snuff it out. So you have to learn yeah. how to how to uh, go that way. And you can't you can't come in and say I'm a prophet. I'm hiring your pastor, and so I'm taking over. You, can, you can't step into that kind of. That's just uh, yeah. John Wimber used to have yeah. he, he he would do this to all the different gifts, not just prophetic. But he he was talking about elder. Well, I want to be an elder. They would, he goes look at an elder is someone who elds. Eld just go out and eld if you are a prophet. Well, a pro someone prophesies is someone who prophesies. Just in other words, just he—he he was the most kingdom-oriented of anyone I'd ever heard of up to that point. It was like just go do it. That's where he yeah. invented that thing. Do it the stuff. Yeah, and I agree with you 100%. Honor the leadership, but you're going to be happier while you're honoring the leadership. Just blessing people with your gift, whether it's a pastoral gift. You're being pastoral, encouraging someone next to you and giving them a little, you know, where you're not crossing any lines. You're not trying to be anybody's authority. I don't know. Yeah. But, so let right. me just add this to Steve, because there is an, another I'm, I'm it depends if I'm speaking to someone who's starting and, yeah. and, and you're trying to obsess with whether you are and you get called one and all that kind of stuff. I'm giving you a what I consider the best walking steps, moving forward steps yeah. for you. But there is a reality back to if somebody's asking the difference between somebody who's prophetic and a prophet, someone who's prophetic can be, there can be someone who's known for words of knowledge and gives people phone numbers, even their names and whatever. And that's a wow factor in the body of Christ or anywhere, but it, it, it may, that just could be a prophetic person. It doesn't really make them a prophet really goes into two things in my, in my opinion. One is he gives you insight and you speak into bigger things yeah. and it's bigger players on the board. We'll, we'll say on this, on his chessboard, you're speaking into nations and there's faith and fulfillment and things that happen at that level. And so it can include speaking in, in you know, words of knowledge and, and things that happen at the personal level, but there's, there's something that happens at a bigger picture realm that God is really using you, wiring you, giving you faith and favor for. And number two, you know, one of the main uh, proofs of being a prophet biblically is you are an equipper in the prophetic. Mm -hmm. So it's like if, if, you, if you just have your own, you know, there, there are prophetic people who have high level gifts, but they don't want to tell anybody any anything. They're not equipping anybody. They want anybody else to know about it. You're not really a prophet if you're not also equipping 
because that's the purpose of the fivefold ministry that we're given names, apostles, prophets, etc., is for the equipping of the saints for the first exactly. work of the ministry. So even Steve, as you you know, judge yourself on on what you're doing, this the Elijah's platform is just a massive platform for training and yeah. equipping the saints. Either things you're saying, questions you're asking, whoever you, the platform itself is a massive prophetic platform. Yeah. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. So yeah. under that definition, you qualify as a prophet for no other reason as that you are a massive equipper of the saints of the body of Christ, what the prophet Ooh. looks like. Interesting. Interesting. So, wow. Okay. Let's see. We have time. Let me look at the clock. We can, we can get another one in here. Um, um, this is a quick, simple one. What Bible version would you recommend to put, to pull the right eschatology and revelation from? I'm guessing there isn't an exact one, but what, what would you say on that? So what version of the Bible? To, to pull the right eschatology and revelation from interesting way to word that I don't think I don't think it's a version of the Bible that gets that to you in a different kind of way yeah. you know those things are to be discerned um, in other ways it's the Holy Spirit and he can use you know if, if it's down to to what version of the Bible you may be looking excessively at one scripture there should be enough confirming scriptures in a certain direction that even if one version of the Bible um, didn't interpret it the best, you should get a, an idea. I don't know how I would, if I, I haven't thought through the grid, I myself, as you all may see, I pick and choose based on what the Holy Spirit's telling me. I grew up King James and King James, New King James. So it's my, it's my version of comfort. And it's the one I'm I'm used to, but I have other versions that I'll look into because sometimes I'll that's the Strong's Concordance yeah. I'll look into, and and what every word what it could mean, and and so you understand that what happens in these translations is the translators have often a choice, particularly in the Old Testament for the Hebrew they could have chosen any one of on average five words and wow. some very different one from the other, and they look at the context. And they make a decision. This is the one that we think. And and what's pretty safe about that, it's not usually just one person making that decision. They'll have a bunch of people discussing and thinking what they think. But they clearly do miss it at times. The Holy Spirit will will reveal that and show. And, and uh, you know, that's for another well, You know, there's an, uh, one of the answers to this. This is a recent thing where the Lord was showing me that. Um, Philip is sent to the Ethiopian eunuch. He had probably had the most accurate Bible with the exact translation of the day for him, but he didn't understand what he was reading. It's not that he needed more accurate translation. He needed someone with the spirit of wisdom to explain the words. What do these mean? Because it's the same thing of those on the road to Emmaus. What, is these, what do these things mean? Um, so, I, you know, I look to you like yourself. I mean, you're... The Bible is holy and inspired, but sometimes you need an inspired person to help you understand how these words connect with other scriptures. What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, and a big, and a big, a big thing, a big deal, even interpreting scriptures. I think I pointed out before, and at some time we'll, we'll release it in, in its entirety. 
is, for instance, the King James Version on 2 Peter 3, where there's this expectation the whole world is going to blow up and people think that's going to be some atomic bomb. The elements will burn with uh, fire, it talks about there. Well, it's it's such a, a, a wrong translation, and it tells you, even though there's multiple translators involved, they all came from the same uh, school. perspective, school of expectation. And it's just like if you have a lot of people, they've so been like if a, the whole Christian culture has been uh, soaking in raptures any moment, it affects how you read and translate everything. But the fact that it, there's certain clues and keys, even in the King James, because that second Peter three, one will say it'll start out verse one. Now, I want to put in remembrance to you what was spoken of by the prophets of old. So if you remember that one verse. He doesn't think he's bringing a new perspective, that he thinks he's bringing a perspective, that his intent is to remind. And then if you read it and the language and the words he uses, you realize he's really referring to Malachi chapter four that talks about a cleansing fire. He's going to cleanse the sons of Levi and they will offer a sacrifice of right in righteousness. And it says really? It so he's not talking about the earth burning up with fervent heat? No. It's the same fire of Malachi 3, where he's going to send a refining. It's a refining fire. It's the same word there. So you're now realizing he's not talking about eliminating. And the word for elements is, is uh, that word is such a, a, a misuse as well. But but again, the key is even in the first verse where it tells you he's just remind you. I'm going to preach you. He's like, what I'm about to tell you is keep you in reminder what the old prophets have said. Well, no old prophets have said nowhere in the Old Testament are you going to find one that says that the whole earth is going to be burned up, like it says in Second Peter three. Yet you have people try to uh, um, stand on Second Peter three. But I don't blame King James because he he does have the correction. I don't the King James version because the correction is in if you just pay attention enough to what's already there. But it it is what, what correction does he what What do you mean? There's a correction. What do you mean? Well, the correction is there. If you pay enough attention, the first verse that he's saying, I'm reminding oh, you okay. of what the prophets have said. And so uh, it doesn't mean they knew what was what was so going the, on. It was the translators and their preconceived ideas that got it wrong, not. Uh, yeah, they, they just mistranslated the words based on their preconceived ideas is what you're saying. Yeah. And so by the time you have the 1600s and King James's 11 translators picking out what they think it means they're coming up with their present perspective of end times itis where things are going to burn up and judgment and fire and and whatnot and they don't realize it's not harmonious with any of the other prophetic declarations how does that go with habakkuk the prophet saying the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of god as the waters cover the sea and he's speaking of the literal earth and you have an earth that's disappeared been burned up with an atomic bomb somewhere like that, that can't happen. There's David, the, the prophet talks about in, you know, Psalm 37, you will look and you will try to find the wicked man and he's not there, but the earth is going to be flourished. Earth uh, will be inherited by the meek and the righteous. And so you have all these other uh, establishers of narrative from the Old Testament, the prophets that would talk, uh, speak of the kingdom coming, Isaiah and Daniel, not even to mention what they were talking about. And so then they ignore all of that and there's these people to this day have this uh, um, wrong burden of 
uh, of proof going to Second Peter three. No, no, we're about to we're going to have the earth is going to be blown up and it's going to go on fire. And and so they connect it with uh, I saw a new heaven, a new earth. But they don't understand the new heaven and new earth isn't necessarily a different heaven and a different earth. It's the same. That word new is the same word. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Doesn't mean he's a different creature that you you used to be a deer and now you're human or that your name was Margaret and now you're Joe. No, it's just you're renewed. And so the earth is going to be renewed. Heaven is going to be renewed. And and so it, it, but it's speaking enough into a mystery realm that we don't need to be um, overly. So, so on that one, which isn't hasn't been the point of this episode, but while you're there, so you're saying that that if it was translated correctly, that it means that when heaven comes to earth uh, and and God comes to live here, I guess I think we understand, and His throne is here. The earth will be the same earth, but it'll be renewed, completely renewed not first burned up with fervent heat and then and is that is that what you're saying so people don't miss what you're saying yeah i believe um i believe that it's not a different earth it's the same earth renewed okay clearly the earth is marked with signals of judgment there's memories of judgment and there's memories of you fly over nevada and arizona and utah and you're like what in the world happened there something violent and vicious i think we've been dinged up and banged up and broken up in all kinds of places and i think there is a back to eden moment where the earth is back to the original glory he built it as okay and so that we get there and so in that there's some people but it says you know it's totally like a like a scroll um and 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 then it's let down in a different way well that doesn't mean it has to be a different um, different than what I just got through saying. I do not believe that at any time he considers this earth as done for garbage. We're done. You were just here for a moment. I believe earth is it's so much established through so many scriptures, Old and New Testament from Jesus own words. Uh, the meek will inherit the earth. Inheritance is not a lease. It's not a borrowing. It's not a momentary. It's forever. The new Jerusalem ultimately comes to earth. And that's the big change around the the altar, around the throne room. There are things. It's all about earth. They're looking at earth, Uh, the sea of glass. They're looking at the earth is such the focus of redemption that to say, no, at some point he's just going to like, eh. Well, so in other words, well, I mean, I, I can, I guess I can, I, I, I like the idea of all the bad stuff, including underground tunnels where crimes were committed, just being burned up with fervent heat. But if that's not happened, he's going to so renew the earth and under the earth that there will be no tunnels where sin was done left, I would think, right? That kind of thing. It would be just completely changed. It's back to Eden. It's back, back to Eden. Eden. Yeah. And so I think we're going to see Eden again and and it's going to be the reality of the whole earth not just some little garden in iraq or something that we're going back to eden and that's there is a a glory that heaven gets when when earth when earth gets to what it's supposed to get heaven gets imbued with another level of glory we don't even know how to speak into that because we haven't lived there we don't know the present glory 
but there is an increase of glory even for heaven. So he said, I saw a new heavens and a new earth. It wasn't just a new earth, a new heaven. They by they are both so in this assignment of earth being redeemed and restored, and they get some benefit. And then we come together, uh, the new Jerusalem descending from heaven. Again, we're speaking into things way over our head. Yeah. Things were in the deep, uh, you know, it's almost flailing looking for translation and interpretation of, but I just knowing the character of the Lord, he loves redeeming, you know, things that have been lost. He, 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 well, you know, uh, to, to make that point again, it's interesting because you, you are one that is better than anyone I know, probably, but most of the time the scriptures are translated correctly. So if I'm the Ethiopian eunuch, I'm saying, Hey, can you explain these words to me? But if when they're not translated correctly, that's the same thing is important. You might have the Strong's Concordance that would tell you it meant burned up with fervent heat, right? So there are sometimes you have to have someone who studied that and said that's not what those words mean. So you need that person. And, you know, there's there's not just Johnny Enlo, but there's a lot of people out there. But Yeah, well, I know our time's almost up, but related to that, let me just read out of Ephesians chapter yeah. Four, verse 17, the Apostle Paul, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling and goes on to say different things. But it talks about understanding that is darkened. Futility of the mind, ignorance that is because of blindness of the heart. It, it's it's telling you that logic and we'll say left brain processing, humanistic pro way of processing will not take you to the truth. So there is at some point part of the whole process, like even the Ethiopian, you got to be born again. You got to make that switch to the other kingdom where things are revealed to you. That you're like, you're digging, you can dig into certain truths. You can try to have faith, I say, with your left brain, your left processor. It's a whole conversation we had another time. You can, through through just your your logical understanding, you can, like, I'm going to jackhammer this out. And you just don't get anywhere. Because there is darkness that comes from that way. You have to literally yield to a way of the Spirit and be instructed mm. by the Holy Spirit. So that's what he was saying, that the Gentiles had, I'm just going to say that one more time futility of their mind a mind people know the mind is good we want like your mind is actually futile if it's not under the leadership of the holy spirit understanding that's darkened ignorance because of the blindness of their heart and we find that there's people you think well if i could just tell them this if i could just show them this if they could just see this miracle and and you find out again the whole children of israel everyone that walked through the Red Sea and got manna from heaven. Like this should be unforgettable um, marks of faith on them forever. They all disbelieved. The whole generation was given over to darkness of the heart in some kind of way. And so even mm. with that kind of proof, because what you end up doing, I found this when I've tried to show miracles to people and they're, I see them like, you know, the cognitive dissonance, like, mm. like they can't like just too much to believe. And you think you think as a believer, if we had enough signs and wonders, people would believe Jesus was turned on by the people who saw the signs and wonders. 
children of Israel had all the signs and wonders and they That's did true. not enter their inheritance. So there's, there's, there is, we want to still have signs and wonders and miracles and all that, but there's a thing of the heart is your heart turned towards truth yeah. and the Lord. And that's what allows you to begin to really be. Instructed. That's so crazy. I mean, um, Jesus is telling that story. He said, even if you could rise, rose from the dead, if they didn't believe Moses, if they didn't have some level of faith in that, uh, that's the basis for what they operate. They're not going to believe you, even if you rise from the dead. So yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. So, all right. Hey, uh, let's see. I think that's it. A couple of closing comments. Just tell people we did immediately get three more people and I don't know how many more they got the gold teeth coming in. So we didn't bring the pictures uh, this time. Also from our program last week, we've received many letters from people who have been abused by clergy telling their story. Sorry. um, Just not able to get back maybe with any, any of you, but we're so sorry for what's happened yeah. to you. Did you good just to be able to tell us some of you felt yeah. like oh, I told you something big and deep and didn't hear anything back. And so one or two, you try to say something. And so we, we can't do due diligence on it, but we do feel for you. And I try to get to them eventually and read them, but I may not be able to get into your story. So, yeah. So it's kind of fair to say that, that please know you've been heard or yes. read, but we can't, there's just no physical time to get back to everyone. So, right. Right. Yeah. And if people yeah. would understand that, but we definitely care for all of you. And, and there's some of your, your stories are uh, you know, heartbreaking and heartwarming uh, as well. But anyway, yeah. Lord, we just thank you for uh, this time together that we've had. Holy Spirit, we just pray that I just pray that you would continue to teach those that yeah. are listening. Lord, those who've been watching this program, your sons and daughters, Lord, it's your will that we all grow into next levels of knowledge and understanding of who you are. And it's your desire to speak to every one of us. And um, you you desire to not just speak to every one of us, but that each and every one of us could also be a spokesperson for you, that each one of us could carry your prophetic word. As Paul said in First Corinthians uh, 13, 14, is I wish that all of you would prophesy. And so that this was uh, and he said he prophesied more than everyone, but even more than speaking in tongues. He wished all could prophesy. And by that, he just meant those that could receive recognize the voice and the word of the Lord and pass that on, Lord. I just ask that there would be an impartation of that, a release of the prophetic right now, particularly for those who have an understanding have been crying out for that. Lord, let something be released to them now for such a time as this. Lord, we didn't take time today to talk about the amazing changes going on in our world. Our whole world is changing and we are in the midst of just uh, monumental shifts and changes in every major area of life and of this globe itself. Things we'll talk about in the future some more. And we're right in the middle of all that. And you want your sons and daughters conversant, interactive with you, yeah. interactive with their society, interactive with every area of society, Lord. Let there be a release of your prophetic word, yes, prophetic function on your sons and daughters. Thank you, Lord. And we just praise your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Johnny, thank you so much. Quick reminder, Mari Mirazadi will be with us, Iranian. She she was in prison for her faith uh, in Jesus Christ, uh, and she's got quite the story to tell. You don't want to miss it, and you want some perspective she has on Iran and all that. You don't want to miss that. So see you tomorrow at 11 o'clock Pacific, 2 o'clock Eastern. Be there, okay? Have a great day, everybody. Thanks, Johnny. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. 
For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.